Welcome, welcome in to the show today. July 4th just around the corner. Hopefully everyone's staying safe. Take your Ubers. Don't make any decisions that are too stupid or too dumb. <laughs> but the fantasy season is definitely approaching. Football season is definitely approaching. NFL season is absolutely approaching. One month away from training camp, preseason ball. And before you know it, it'll be week one. So why not talk some wide receiver and tight end rankings to get the juices flowing, for lack of a better term? Wide receiver rankings, PPR as usual, 1 through 40. Ranked them up, got it all laid out, and let's dive right in. Absolutely. We got 1 through 10. Number 1, the number 1 wide receiver in PPR this upcoming season. DeAndre Hopkins, no question. Talent is unmatched. You can make the question or you can continue to question what the heck the Houston Texans are doing. Uh, Even to this day, I don't know what they were thinking, trading him for David Johnson straight up. No one does. That's why Bill O'Brien is out of a job. But he is the real deal. No debate there. Tyree Kill at two. There's no one more fun to watch than Tyree Kill when they're at their absolute peak. One of the fastest human beings on the planet. And the username on Twitter and Instagram of Cheetah definitely lives up to the hype. Number three, DK Metcalf. Absolutely fell off a bit when Russell Wilson began to struggle in the second half of last season. But the talent is unmatched and he literally looks like he was built in a lab. He is just so dominant on the field and it is just so hard to ignore you have one of the best quarterbacks in the game and i find it hard to believe that dk is going to have a bad season and number four his old miss teammate aj brown these two ever since coming into the league have just absolutely dominated in every facet of the game aj brown now gets to play alongside one of the greatest to ever do it in julio jones and julio I have to believe has a couple more years of solid football left in him. And I think that that's going to really open things up for that offense. They also have one of the best running backs in the game. So the Titans are going to be rolling and AJ Brown's fantasy season should be as well. Number five, Devontae Adams. This is obviously contingent on whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, because if he is not, then it could get ugly fast for that team. It's truthfully a shame that the Packers have a not, won a championship with Rodgers being one of the greatest of all time. And B, they've really failed to to surround him with the proper talent that he deserves as a legend. And I think that if Rodgers is back, then they're absolutely a contender. But if he's not, then I find it hard to believe that the Packers are even going to make the playoffs. Six through ten, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, and Calvin Ridley all the way down at ten. Stephon Diggs coming off an absolutely unbelievable year. I think that Josh Allen comes a little back to earth this upcoming season now that defensive coordinators have a year of film on him. You know, remember, Josh Allen was not amazing up until last year. In fact, a lot of people wanted to label him a bust, and I'm not in that camp you know, when he first came into the league, I was not a believer, but he definitely showed a lot of promise last year. I think that Diggs gets it done. Stefan Diggs led the league in targets last year. Just cannot go wrong. Number seven, Keenan Allen. 
you know, Justin Herbert absolutely looks promising. Absolutely looks incredibly promising. And Keenan Allen is not amazing at any specific thing other than getting open and route running. But truthfully, in the NFL today, that is all that you need. He is a locked and loaded wide receiver one. And the ADPs that I've seen, he's going in the mid-third. And I will take that every day of the week. Michael Thomas coming in at eight. Talk about a fall from greatness. This guy, a couple years back, was considered no question the best player, the best receiver at his position in the whole NFL. And last year, definitely fell off, got hurt. Drew Brees was not the same. But I think that people forget how good Michael Thomas really is, and he can he can also be a steal because he's going right now in the third or fourth round, and that is just – that could be a big mistake when we look back at the end of this year. Justin Jefferson and Calvin Ridley to round out the top ten. Justin Jefferson had – one of, if not the best, rookie wide receiver seasons last year. The talent is there. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to keep feeding him. Not much to say. Calvin Ridley at 10. That is a little low from the other expert consensus ranks that I've seen. But I just don't believe that Calvin Ridley is a true number one wide receiver. I think that Kyle Pitts absolutely opens up that offense. But when it comes to just pure, raw, number one, alpha, give me the ball talent, I don't think Calvin Ridley is it. I think that he was a huge uh, beneficiary of crazy amounts of targets and a bad Atlanta defense, and I just don't think that he is that guy. Now, that's not to say that he's going to have a bad year or anything, but I just don't see him as like a locked and loaded wide receiver one. 11 through 15, Scary Terry. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Julio Jones. Terry McLaurin is an up-and-coming talent. And, uh, you know, people love to talk about Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, but, you know, we've also seen Fitz tragic. So I'm not in the camp of hopping immediately on uh, the Terry McLaurin train because I think that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick will look like the best quarterback in the league for five games, but then he will have stretches where you literally look like you're seeing prime Blake Bortles like it is very up and down and I think that Terry will be a beneficiary of the good games but uh and probably have enough there even from the bad games from Fitzmagic but uh you know to rank him as a top 10 receiver I think is a little premature Allen Robinson should be a lot better without Mitch Trubisky this guy is just no question produced with bad quarterbacks all season long, all year long, his whole career, really, uh, you know, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbert, all those dudes he was a baller for, and just the talent is there. And I think that if Fields or Dalton, whenever either one of them are on the field, it'll be a lot better than any quarterback that he's ever played with. I know Andy Dalton isn't the greatest player in the world, but Allen Robinson should not slow down at all. 13-14, uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, back-to-back. Obviously, these two get the beneficiaries of playing with the GOAT coming off fresh Super Bowl wins, Super Bowl rings, and I don't see either of them slowing down. And then Julio Jones at 15, that's a wild card right there because I know that he was hurt last year, but he is still one of the best in the game. You know, never never crazy touchdown stats outside of that one season a few years back, but Still gets it done, locked and loaded. When Julio is healthy, you can almost guarantee seven catches for 100-some-odd yards, and maybe he sneaks into the end zone. I think that he absolutely keeps it rolling in Tennessee. 16 through 20, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, and Adam Thielen. Uh, Cooper Cup, 
is definitely going to benefit from having Matt Stafford. Um, Jared Goff is just not good. Flat out, I said it, it's true. Matt Stafford is a lot better than Jared Goff. How much better that remains to be seen, but Cooper Cup mainly plays from the slot. He's mainly running drag routes over the middle. You know, I know Stafford's a big gunslinger, but I think that he will deliver Cooper Cup the ball enough times. And that could be a guy whose ceiling really could be a top five receiver because if that Rams offense gets going and the defense is what we think it's going to be with one of, if not the best players in the game leading it, then the Rams could be the Super Bowl favorites. I truly believe that. They don't really have a weakness on their team. Amari Cooper coming in next. I think that Dak's return definitely helps the Cowboys. Not much more to be said. You know, everyone loves to talk about how great Amari Cooper is and how he's, you know, going to be a top five receiver talent-wise, whatever. I, I've yet to see it. I've never put him in the elite class. I think he's still a step below that, but still nonetheless a solid wide receiver to this upcoming season. Robert Woods, basically everything I just said for Cooper Cup, their skills are a little different. You know, Robert Woods will run a lot more of the reverses. Sometimes he takes a shot downfield, whereas Cup's truly like a slot guy. But overall, I think being in that offense, McVay knows how to get him the ball. Number 19, Tyler Lockett. Huge debate on him. I, I remember that over 30% of his fantasy points came in two games where he absolutely blew up. And then the rest were a lot of single-digit weeks. It was very frustrating to own him last year. But he still is one of the best deep route runners in the NFL and has the best deep ball passer throwing the ball to him. So there's upside there, no question. I would love to have Tyler Lockett on my team, and he is a guy who can literally win you your week and then also lose you your week as well. Frustrating to own those type of players, but when they win you your week, it's pretty amazing. 20, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson's co-star. Baller, not much more to be said. I think that he's like the stereotypical wide receiver too and a guy where he gets in the end zone a lot, and I think that that continues, but... I think that top five upside is definitely not uh, on the table for Adam Thielen. 20 through 25, CeeDee Lamb, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, Deontay Johnson, and Brendan Ayuk. Uh, CD came on the scene last year as a rookie and absolutely balled. He was very good with whoever the heck the Dallas Cowboys had playing quarterback last year, even when it wasn't Dak Prescott. I think that he continues to climb to stardom, and that – is a true wild card because the film shows that he has all the ability in the world. And I think that Michael Gallup is starting to phase out a bit. Um, you know, the Michael Gallup hype has moved over to CeeDee Lamb and rightfully so CeeDee Lamb is a really good player. And he did all that in year one. You know, a lot of these rookie wide receivers now are expected to come in right away and contribute. And CeeDee Lamb was absolutely no exception. I think that he continues to ball and, <laughs> Would it surprise me if next year we're talking about him as a second or third round pick? It absolutely would not. DJ Moore, another guy who's really frustrating to own. Um, I think that talent-wise, he is not going to blow you away. But Carolina looks like a solid team. 
you know, they have Robbie Anderson. They have arguably the best running back in the league. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think that the Panthers are a contender by any means, but I think that DJ Moore should get you enough to be a solid receiver, not a wide receiver one, though. Kenny Galladay, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Injuries have just always been the problem, and I think that Daniel Jones is another problem as well. I am not a believer in Daniel Jones, but sometimes talent wins out. Hopefully it does here because the Giants' skills positions are absolutely loaded, and Kenny Galladay is no exception. Deontay Johnson led the league in drops last year, but the route running is precise and crisp and pretty exceptional. If he can get his feet under him and his hands under him, he can really win you your league because the talent is absolutely there. He's better than Juju. He's the best receiver on the Steelers, no question. And then number 25, Brandon Ayuk. This is a guy who might be a little underranked. He is really good. Uh, Jimmy G is okay, but Kyle Shanahan is one of, if not the best, young offensive minds in the NFL. He always has ways to get his receivers the ball, his playmakers the ball, and I think that Brandon Ayuk is no exception to that. He is a guy who has league-winning upside, and I think that you're not going to have to pay league-winning prices when drafts roll around in August. 26-30, Odell making his return. Juju, Robbie Anderson, Cortland Sutton, and DJ Shark. Odell, Odell. You know, talk about a fall from greatness. For three straight years, we truthfully considered him one of, if not the best receivers on the planet. And ever since he went to Cleveland, he just looked like a different player. You know, he hasn't looked like the guy that he was on the Giants for those years. And to question whether or not he'll ever be that guy again is very fair. But something tells me that he's going to be extra motivated to come back from that injury and prove everyone wrong, as well as being on one of the most loaded offenses that we've ever seen in the NFL. He has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield, you can you can debate. You know He's borderline top 10, top 12. He played really well in the playoffs. Uh, but has never never blown you away when it comes to you know clutch time. And then he has the best slot receiver in the game and his BFF playing right next to him in Jarvis Landry. So I would love to have Odell on my team, but it definitely depends on the price when it comes to drafting him. <sighs> Juju, another fall, fall from greatness, really burst onto the scene as a rookie and ever since then has kind of disappointed. You know, the TikTok dancing definitely doesn't help. You know, it's frustrating as an owner of Juju when he's dancing when they're down 30 in the middle of a playoff game. You kind of wonder where his mind is. But, you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having Juju on my squad this year, but he's definitely not a guy that I'm actively targeting or anything like that. Robbie Anderson absolutely killed expectations, was literally a waiver wire ad last year. And Robbie Anderson and Matt Rule have a great relationship from their days at Temple in college. And Matt Rule, when you watch the Panthers play last year, was just determined to get the ball in Robbie Anderson's hands. You know, he was running back screens, crossing routes, just feeding Robbie Anderson, and rightfully so. You know, another Adam Gase descendant who has 
really flourished once he got away from Adam Gase. Crazy how that happens, but uh, great player. And I think that he kind of reminds me of Michael Crabtree a few years ago. You just know he's going to produce. Not the sexiest name by any means, but when you take him, you know you're getting a solid player flex at the very least. Cortland Sutton, another guy coming off injury. Injuries were the name of the game last year. The Broncos quarterback situation is a little shaky, a little fluid, but when healthy, Cortland Sutton could end up being a huge draft day steal if he pans out. And then DJ Chark at 30, another guy who just has suffered in recent years because of poor quarterback play, but Trevor Lawrence should definitely fix that. 31 through 40, Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, T. Higgins, Antonio Brown, Debo Samuel, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Smith at 40, the Heisman winner. He he is a heck of a player. But, um, you know, seeing a lot of people want to put Justin Jefferson, his rookie season, you know, expecting that of Devontae Smith. Justin Jefferson's rookie season never happens. So to try and replicate that and try and expect someone to duplicate that, not saying it's impossible, but it's not likely. So... I would take all rookie receivers with a grain of salt, knowing that they have pretty good upside as we've seen, but also crazy downside where they just fall off a cliff. They're always a big wild card. They always are, but you cannot deny the talent of Devontae Smith. That is for sure. Tight end ranks. Number one. No question. It's Travis Kelsey. Has been the best tight end in the league for the last five years. What feels like the last 40. Locked and loaded. Best quarterback in the game. Best receiver standing next to him. He is unreal. But the question is where do you take him? Because in mock drafts that I've done, I've seen him go as high as three. And I'm not willing to take any tight end third overall I don't care how good he is because you're buying him at his ceiling so if you take him at three or four or five and he doesn't pan out that buries your team absolutely buries your team and I'm just not willing to take that risk to George Kittle another guy who I believe talent wise is as good as Travis Kelsey seems like a lot of the injured players from last year are just not getting love and I will buy back in on a lot of the injured players and take them at a discounted rate for example Mike Thomas uh, any of those type of players I think that people forget how good George Kittle is and I believe he was the number one tight end before going out to injury he had that huge game one of the primetime games that won a lot of people that week. But do not forget how good George Kittle is. Darren Waller at three. Boom. No question. Yeah. Not much else to be said. Another guy who is very talented. Derek Carr loves him. John Gruden loves him. Great backstory about how he, you know, overcame uh, addiction. Has a lot of demons off the field. But when it comes to strapping him up, he is, no question, one of the best in the game. Four and five. TJ Hawkinson at four. 
calling for a bit of a breakout. The Lions this year are going to be a tough watch. There is no way around that. They're just going to be bad. But with that can come fantasy points because they're going to be down in a lot of games. And TJ Hawkinson can be a beneficiary. You know, when you see tight ends in that third, fourth year, Sometimes they take that jump. This is definitely the time for Hawkinson to do that. He showed flashes, but he's never put together a real impressive stretch. But I think that this could be the year. But after that first, you know, three, that first elite tier, it can really go any which way, especially at tight end because that position is just so gross. You know, after the elite guys, it's it's you're throwing darts. Five, Kyle Pitts, a rookie in the top five. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is the real deal. They say generational talent. I would agree. When you watch Florida play Alabama and Alabama's triple teaming him and he still catches the touchdown, that's when you know he is going to be something special. The question is, as a rookie, a rookie tight end, is he going to be able to make the jump and impact, especially in fantasy immediately? I'd say yes, but I don't know what the ceiling is, but with tight end, like I said, you're just throwing darts. Six through 10, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, and Mike Kosicki. Mark Andrews was really considered an elite tight end as little as two years ago. Fell off a bit last year, but the talent's still there. And if Lamar Jackson can throw a little better, then he can return to prominence. Dallas Goddard, another player whose talent is really good. You know, you wonder if Zach Ertz is still going to be on the Eagles because if Dallas Goddard can take over that role, he is a guy who can absolutely jump into that elite tier. I really believe that. Logan Thomas, he finished as the third tight end last year. A good waiver wire ad for a lot of the late championship Winnings, you know, tight end is so gross that if you catch a touchdown, you're pretty much guaranteed a top 10 finish that week, regardless of receptions or yards. So Logan Thomas with Fitzpatrick there is worth a draft pick. The question is at what cost, but he's a guy who kind of flew under the radar last year. Noah Fant, another guy who was injured, but when he's healthy, he's right, regardless of quarterback. He produces, and Mike Kosicki at 10. The Tua breakout, the Dolphin breakout is coming. You heard it here first. Mike Kosicki is really a slot receiver. He never blocks, but he's a good slot receiver, and you can play him at the tight end position, which for tight end, that's all you can ask for. 11 through 15, Evan Ingram, Robert Tunyon, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Higbee, and Irv Smith Jr. You know, this is where the tight end position kind of gets gross. And in my 10-team leagues, I usually try and hoard them because you're always playing someone who will start a player like Jared Everett. And when you have Travis Kelsey playing Jared Everett, that is literally a 20-point advantage every single time. And it's a beautiful thing. But the only problem is if you're the player with Jared Everett or Austin Hooper, one of those players, the tight end position can get very ugly very quickly. Uh, Robert Tonyan. Tonyan? Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Higby, Irv Smith Jr., just kind of upside guys. Gronk obviously showed up when the lights shined the brightest in the Super Bowl, had a great game. I think the talent's still there. You know, he has the goat thrown to him. I wouldn't 
mind a late round flyer on Gronk if you're going to punt tight end. And then 16 through 20, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, Gerald Everett, Jonu Smith, and Zach Ertz. Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper, the only two that I really want to touch on. Hunter Henry, you know, we've seen what Bill Belichick does with tight ends. And a few years back, Hunter Henry looked very promising. Kind of fell off, got hurt the last few years. But if Belichick can work his magic and use tight ends the way that we know he knows how to, Hunter Henry can absolutely be a guy who is at least usable in fantasy, at the very least. And then Austin Hooper played pretty well on Cleveland last year. You know, it remains to be seen what's going to come of him this year. But at this point with tight end, if you're punting the position, you're punting all the way. So you kind of take what you can get. I wouldn't mind grabbing two of these guys and then just keeping the best of the two. You know, if you're going to go maybe Austin Hooper, Jonu Smith, and kind of wait the first four or five weeks out and see who's better and then drop one and keep the other, that would be totally cool with me. Tight end is a wasteland as usual. And I think that this year is no exception to that rule. It doesn't look quite as bad as last year, but it doesn't look amazing either. It hasn't for a while. And I think that tight end premium, if you wanted to do maybe a point and a half, if you're playing PPR, a point and a half per reception, that might add a little more value, make it a little more balanced because like I said, if you have one of those guys like Tyler Higby or Irv Smith, it is just brutal when you're playing a guy who has George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller. But that's the price you pay on draft day. That is truly the price you pay. When you pay up for an elite tight end, it is an advantage like no other, but it's not going to win you your league. I mean, if you had Travis Kelsey last year, it probably won you your league, but I still would rather go running back heavy, especially if I'm playing in a one quarterback league. And last but least, last but not least, three scorching hot takes for fantasy this upcoming season. Number one, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins both finish as top five running backs. Both players last year took a while to get going. But once they did, once we saw the Akers and Dobbins take over, There was really no looking back. J.K. Dobbins played exceptionally well and, in my opinion, is the most talented running back of the rookie class of last year, and he's in the best rushing offense, arguably, in league history. There's a lot of things that have to go wrong for J.K. Dobbins to not finish as a top-five running back. I truly believe that. And Cam Akers... Cam Akers, we talked about it earlier, is on maybe the most talented team in the NFL right now. And Sean McVay, once he gave Akers the full workload last year, there really was no looking back. Unfortunately, he got hurt and that ended his season. But that might be a good thing for drafters because if Cam Akers had gotten to finish the season and really burst on the scene fully and won people their championships, then we might be talking about him as a mid-first-round pick 
and I think that he's going at a discount right now in the second round. Number two, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray finished outside of the top five quarterbacks. Josh Allen passed for just over 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, rushed for over 400 yards, and had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Unbelievable year. But we see it time and time again. When defensive coordinators have a full offseason to prepare and watch film and understand what to do, sometimes they take a step back. They just do. You know, Josh Allen played out of his mind last year. Still a good player, a really good player. But am I going to expect him to duplicate the numbers that he had last year in a season where COVID really affected offseason planning and, and programs and you know, he burst onto the seam and caught a lot of people by surprise. There's no no catching anyone by surprise, at least not if you burst onto the seam last year. You know, the defense coordinators are preparing for Josh Allen now. <clears throat> and then Kyler Murray, 3,900 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, rushed for over 800 yards and had double-digit rushing touchdowns, 11. Another guy that I think defensive coordinators know now what they need to do you know obviously he is a cheat code when he runs the football you can't tackle him but the height is a real concern you know you saw games last year where he legitimately was having trouble seeing over the line you know there would be plays where he would drop back to pass and he would have to scramble outside of the pocket just to deliver the football because he cannot see over the line. They said that he measured in at 5'11 at the combine. I don't buy that, but that's not really important. I think Kyler Murray does finish outside of the top five quarterbacks this upcoming season. And number three, maybe the boldest prediction of them all. I think that Peyton Manning's passing yards and touchdowns in a single season record is broken by Pat Mahomes this upcoming season with the extra game going that's just another game for history and Mahomes has come close at least yardage wise he's come within 500 yards a few years back if the Chiefs are not resting their starters you know Pat Mahomes usually plays 15 games because they always rest their starters because they always lock up the first seed by the 16th game. But if the AFC is as stacked as we believe it is, and it's definitely better than in years past, it definitely is. You know, you have the Browns, the Bills, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Titans. The Chargers aren't going to be bad. You know, the Raiders are there. The Patriots are not anyone to be slept on. The Steelers. So if the AFC is as good or better than in years past, because the last few years it has been very top-heavy, and Pat Mahomes plays 17 total games, there is no reason in this pass-heavy, pass-interference-filled league that he cannot break both records from Peyton Manning. There's just no reason. I, I, I believe Pat Mahomes has one of the best coaches in the NFL. He has one of the best receivers in the NFL. 
he has no question the best tight end in the NFL. They rebuilt that line. He is the best quarterback in the league. Everything is coming together. I am calling for Pat Mahomes to break both the touchdowns and passing yards records this upcoming 2021 season. So that is it. That is all I have for today. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And once we get into the full swing of things, we'll do five in August. And from there on out, I hope you guys have a very safe and great 4th of July. If you need to, call an Uber or a taxi. Do not drive drunk. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.